This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Hey guys, brand new podcast, I'm in Portland uh, tonight, this is Wednesday, so if you're in Portland, come on out to the show, uh, I'm getting ready for my hour special this weekend, it is sold out. Uh, in uh, Irvine, so it's too late to get tickets. But Friday, April 1st, just do me a favor if you're sitting around Friday at your house having beers with your friends and it's nighttime, just close your eyes and give me some positive energy. Just send it my way and I'll feel it on stage and then I'll emote that and then all of a sudden one day you'll watch it and you'll go, ah, I fucking that bit right there, that was because he fucking gave me positive whatever. Uh, Tour dates coming up. Virginia Beach, April 7th, through 9th, Des Moines, April 14th through 16th, Calgary, 21st to 23rd, Brea, May 13th through 16th, 15th, I mean, D.C., the 19th through 21st, Helium St. Louis, brand new club, never played that before, on the 26th through the 28th, then that's it, uh, nothing else to promote, I got the new marshmallow shirt, so go out and get a marshmallow shirt. Uh, at BurtBurtBurt.com, my book, my thing, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, I'm posting the Stanhope vlog. My computer was broken. Luckily, it was broken uh, right after I posted the last podcast, and it's been broken this whole time. But I got a new screen, so I'm editing at that right now. Uh, and I will be releasing these every Wednesday. I am like clockwork, I promise. The fact that you guys come out to my shows and tell me how much the podcast being released on, like, being whatever, you know what I'm fucking trying to say. The fact that you guys like this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done in my career. This is probably definitely one of the things in my career where I'm like, I'm fucking never stopping this. Even if I have 10,000 downloads a week, I will still do this. Right now, I'm like roughly at like fucking 500,000, whatever that is. It's like, what, it's a lot, whatever. All right, <laughs> enough dicking around. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to edit Stan Ho's podcast. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do a show tonight. I'm going to fly home. I'm going to hang out Thursday with my family or one of my family members, someone I was on a field trip, and then uh, and then Friday. I'm going to 
I'm going to do my hour special. I love this set right now. It's doing really well. I'm really happy with it. I think you'll like it. Today's podcast uh, is one of my favorite human beings. This is He is one of the reasons I do the podcast. I swear to God when I say that, he uh, he's someone I met through the podcast. I had heard him on Doug Loves Movies, and or no, Getting Doug with High, and he told the story of getting smoking crack with his sister, although it wasn't crack, but if you can hear that on the best of. You can hear, listen to all his podcasts he's done with me. And by the way, this one does not let down. He is so fucking funny. He is one of those guys that really, truly kind of lives life arms wide open. With arms wide open. Uh, no, he's one of my favorite human beings, and I would have never met him if I hadn't had a podcast and had a reason to sit down with him at once every couple months to sit down and talk to him. And I, and I, I absolutely love this guy. Uh, if you get a little lost at the beginning uh, and you're confused about we're talking about his feet, go back. We talk about it later. We cover everything later. But uh, go back and listen to the earlier ones with him. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Moss. This is Check one, two. Check one, two. Hello? Okay, this one's on. Have you always had those chickens? No, we just got chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, uh, I would have remembered chickens. Yeah, Leanne got them for. Uh, Leanne got them. She fucking loves them, man. The chicken eggs are insane. Like, chi- like the legit chicken eggs. Here, swing them around so you don't have to My- get comfortable. Do whatever you want. <laughs> this yeah. fucking man cave's a mess. Um, yeah, chicken. The, we I had chicken eggs yesterday. They're like, the like ones that they had. The the yellows are so fucking yellow. <laughs> it's crazy. I had a, uh, my manager, my old manager had chickens and his dog, uh, Max Burgos. Uh Um, He was with the collective. He became an agent, but uh, yeah, he he had chickens and his dog ate his chickens. Yeah, we're afraid our dog's going to eat our chickens. Yeah. So Mona's cool, like the little one. So wait, so how are your feet? Uh, They're coming along. I have uh, one one kind of bad one still, I guess. Seriously? Still have... So Damn there's it. all that scarring. It's it's fine. I don't use a cane really anymore, and I, I rarely need it. I have good days and, and bad days, but I have uh, a lot more good days. I have like two weeks of like good, and then I have like four days where I'm really? walking around like a penguin in Gotham. Holy shit. How long yeah. has it been since the initial accident? Almost two years now. <laughs> Holy fuck. You know what's amazing? I was I've, thinking about this last night. Like you, didn't, you didn't gain any weight. Oh, I I can't gain weight if I want to. Like when I was working out, as as much as I could, I was trying to put on weight. I wish I had some muscle, but uh, I never have, never (laughs) never been able to. My brother's even skinnier than I am. Really, it's crazy. Yeah, he's getting uh, he's getting married next week. I was just at his bachelor party in Vegas um, a week ago. How was that? It was a good time. Uh, Yeah, I have a good time with the. my brother's first time in Vegas was last summer, and um, and I just started drinking again. Like I I started using my cane, right? And I'm like, all right, this is finally over. And then I was like, oh my god, every other step that I take in life just hurts. Like, is it gonna be like that forever? Just every other step, Fuck. like, ouch, ouch. And so uh, I went into a slight depression, and I was like. 
<laughs> I was like, I might need to cancel this Vegas trip. It's my brother's first time, and I like I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, I could just drink. Yeah, and I'm like, I'll be fine. And so we got, and so so I I rented a scooter. Uh, oh. I was going around Vegas with a scooter, which was awesome, with my brother hanging onto the back of it. Fucking this kid! <laughs> you just brought the whole bag. What? Okay. I have a cardiologist appointment today, so I'm like, just throw it up here, baby. Thank you. So, so uh, hey, hey, it's. Do you want some coffee? Um, yeah. Hey, Otto, awesome. will you tell mom to bring out two coffees? Um, so, um, so yeah, we ended up at one point. We ended up uh, going to Duck Dynasty, the musical, which <laughs> which was a joy. I was just taking pictures of uh, of like stupid billboards of like the dumbest possible show that two brothers could go to, yeah, like Celine Dion or whatever. So we kept on texting each other back and forth because he was at a conference. I saw a Duck Dynasty the musical and I sent it to him. He's like, "Oh no, we're going to that." <laughs> it was like it was the last week of production. I'd been in production for like four weeks, and it was like the biggest flop in Vegas history. Seriously, there was a like there's an article about it, and the director was like, "Well, we missed the mark." You know, that's like all that he would say about Which, it. I wish I, I sometimes wish that like I've always had fancy fancy dreams of like. That my life or something that I do will take off to that uh, extent. You know what I mean? Like where they'll be like, it's so great. We need to make a musical of it. And you just get to the point where you just like go and you're like, just go fly. Be art. They're making a musical oh. about me. So wait, yeah, so I, was I it your brother? Like just you and your brother? Um, that was last summer. And then this bachelor party was like my brother-in-law and, and then uh, a bunch of my brother's friends and a cousin of mine. And yeah, we stayed at the Wynn. It was a good time. We, uh, my brother was up until like eleven thirty in the morning gambling one morning. So that's good. I feel like every bachelor should have one of those nights. I had. Oh, here comes this moron. Cannot open the door. Thank you. Finger one, because I'm going to the cardiologist today. Do you like? Are you like yours black? You want to be in it? See you later, alligator. Um, Um, yeah. So uh, last night I went to uh, David Gilmore. Is awesome. You what you said? You were like you you were like uh, my it might might be tough early in the morning. (laughs) I plan on drinking. So wait, when you uh, because when you last time we talked about you drinking, you were like. Yeah, I just get blackout drunk. Have you, yeah, can yeah. you have you found the middle ground? I feel like I'm drinking like a normalish person. I really? mean, I've had some wild nights, but I feel like I'm I'm older, wiser. I'm definitely not doing it up uh, like I used to. I just this last weekend was the first time I went on the road, and I didn't drink on stage on the road at like at all, like literally at all, and was like both shows just didn't drink, mm-hmm. and I've had those nights. I have those nights when I do Bray or Irvine or in LA because I drive. Right. But like on the road, I'm I, and I and I literally was laying in bed going, "Okay, so wait, why do I drink on the road? Like, what is it?" And it's just and it's just like I think it's just depression. Like you just get on the road, and you're yeah. just lonely, and you're like, "Well, fuck." I know that if I have a beer, uh, the second show will be fun because I'll be drinking. Right. But I right. put I literally think I think I do half as good a job if I'm drinking on stage. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I could never tell. I, I, it used to be like, like I remember there's a couple times I'd be like blacked out on stage and I'd show up the next day like, like, oh my God, I don't really remember what happened last night. Did I perform or whatever? I'll walk in and the staff will be like, I don't know what you did last night, but that show was one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> I was enabled for so long, you know. Yeah. And then, but not. I don't. Uh, I don't really like drinking before performing as much now. I, second show Friday nights. It's like if I if I don't drink, I'm gonna snap. I'll probably snap anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but and drinking might make it worse, but. Um. Yeah, I don't snap. I have, I have a heart. It takes a lot to get me to snap. I do it like two, three times a year, man. I always feel bad about it. I always overreact. It's just all this what is bottled it? What, up co- shit. What, what causes it? Well, I mean, I was in a place recently. I won't even mention the place, but I I won't be going back there. And they, <laughs> Why? it was the snap that bad. It was, it, yeah, that, and it was just I didn't really enjoy the club that much. But a woman in the front answered her phone three times in a row. Okay. Three times she yeah. she answers her phone, and I was like, "What? Yeah, you just gotta answer it. You can just go out, <laughs> just go outside. You know, yeah, it's right there." She's like, "Oh, okay." Like I was an asshole, and then. Puts it down. Her phone rings again. Oh, yeah. Hello. Starts talking again. I was like, what? And then on the third time, the whole audience started yelling at her. And then I went apeshit. But the the owner wasn't saying anything because I guess they were like regulars or something like that. Like, well, if they're regulars, don't they know to behave better than that? Yeah. That's it's funny. just a what club. Is club. It? Uh, give me a state. Give me a state. I'll say this. There's a uh, m- maybe if you put. Uh, um, a mobs a mobster on the signage of your club. You can't expect, expect to have the brightest audiences in the entire I think world. I know what you're talking about. They, I think I know what you're talking about. The I, I've I've snapped one time. One time I snapped uh, because this. I hate when I, you know what I hate is when there's a confusion, like when there's like a misunderstanding. Oh yeah, and, I know. And and like. Like I, there was a misunderstanding this weekend with me and this girl making a joke about my wife's vagina, and this woman goes, Are "You talking about me?" And I went, <laughs> "How would I know you?" I was like, "I was like, how would I know you? Like, I don't know you. I don't know your vagina. I don't know anything. About, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. met you. Are you talking about me?" Like, and I was like, "It's like that. They're so drunk they misconstrue what you're saying." Yeah. And then you just go, and then and then they won't shut up because I think they have a point to like. Well, hold on. Hold on. You brought it up, sir. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about something totally different. You're just not listening. One time there was this guy in the front row who had a, like aggressive mullet. And this was in <laughs> Lexington. And uh, this black chick behind him was losing her mind la- making, laughing at him and like mocking him. And I was like – and I and all, all I said – she had a big wig on. And I said, calm down, Macy Gray. You're next. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she lost her shit. And was like, the fuck did you just call me? And I was like, and you can't be like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. You have to own it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I called you Macy Gray. I go, you have mirrors in your house, right? I go, there's no way you put on that wig and didn't think I look a little bit like Macy Gray. <laughs> and she got fucking pissed. She was like, she said something. She goes, you're a racist. I go, I haven't said anything racist yet. I go, yet. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and no one got it. And then she started recruiting people to walk out. Like started getting up and going, and and you know, and in that situation, those fucking 
mid-level sales women who are on the road. You know, there's yeah, like yeah. like oh, probably forty nine. Those ones that really love those dueling piano bars that just ended up at your show. They fucking, of course, they were like, fuck him, he's racist. And I was like, I never said anything about color ever other than calling her Macy Gray, which I, mean, I guess theoretically you could whittle that down and try to find a way that it's racist. But like, and then they all stormed out and then they wanted their money back. But Bob, do you remember Bob? He used to run Lexington, then he ran Zanies. I don't know what he's doing now. No. Um, Bob. Cameron, I think is his last name. He used to run West Palm, Miami. Like, he ran all Joel's clubs and then went to Zany's. Bob was, like, the best. He was the fucking best. And he just was like, sure, he's racist. You yeah, guys yeah. you guys have a great night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they just escorted him out. And it was like and, – and it was like those those were the best is that you never got in trouble for those. When you had a cool manager who was like, you're out of your mind. Doc from – you remember Doc from uh, from Dayton? Um, nope. You know, Doc. I don't think I've ever been to Dayton. Oh, seriously? Yeah. I don't oh, think so. Doc was the best. Doc, someone I made a joke, and the, my mistake was the premise was, do you want to hear something racist? But it, it wasn't racist at all. It was, that was the joke. Is like the setup, and then this is stupid. Mm-hmm. But the woman, all she heard was, do you want to hear, hear something racist? And she stormed out and said she was going to protest. And Doc's like, I got you back. <laughs> Fucking Dallas, on the other hand, holy shit. Dallas fucked me over one time. <laughs> I made some joke in Dallas, and the, whoever the brand new manager was, it was like right after they got rid of Trey, the brand new manager was like, dude, you got a complaint. Like, I was like, hey, you don't tell me that. Like, if if I get a complaint, like, just sit on it. Yeah, You're yeah, You're supposed yeah. to squash it. Like, I, I don't understand why they, uh, why would you tell me something, especially when it's like on the first night or whatever. Yeah. It's like, tell me on Sunday. Tell me like after you pay me or whatever. Don't get in my head. I was at a c- club one time in the feature act, and it was a local feature act, and uh, the club owner booked this. He knew him. He knew his act and everything, and he booked him, in, and the dude does this feature spot of you know 25 or 30 minutes or whatever. Does great. And then um, the manager yells at him for being too dirty. I've, I, I almost want to say I've – if if I don't know this exact story, then I know so many stories like this. Oh yeah, I mean I don't think I told it before, but um, no, no, I haven't heard it from you. But I've heard guys that get booked, and then the manager knows them, and then and then he's and then the kid. First off, I'm sure it was the only 30 minutes that he had, you know. So now he's scrambling to think of new material, and he kind of ate it the whole rest of the week because he is in his head. He couldn't relax or anything. Yeah. It's like. Ooh. Why the fuck did you do that? Just let him get through the week. And then- Some managers are cunts. Yeah. There was uh, there was the, um, what was it? Oh, you know the worst part about this Dallas, whoever the manager at the time was, is the person who wrote, who wrote the email complaint said, I'd like you to please forward this to his agents. So the guy did. The guy in Dallas forwarded it to my fucking agent. My agent calls me. He goes, you got a complaint in Dallas. And I go, no shit but like well, how do you know about it and he was like we forwarded it the guy asked him and forwarded it he forwarded it he goes don't worry it's dead here i was like i think that guy's gone from dallas but uh but man that the those i don't understand people complaining yeah i i don't understand managers that take comment cards terribly seriously either i mean usually it's just about like the staff or how slow the drinks were or something like that but uh but it's still like once in a while they're like, "Well, you got this bad comment card." Or yeah, it's like, "Well, yeah, 
I mean, it's happen. someone's not going to like my stuff. Yeah, there's no way that if if 100% of the people come out and love what I did, I'm a magician. Like, I'm a magician or a juggler, or I do that kind of act. Right. Like, but when you when you try to make fucking statements that are going to make people think, like, you can't do comedy where it's just boring. And you got to, and you know what Patrice said, you know, bad jokes and good jokes come from the same place. Mm-hmm. Like, they are just trying to be funny. Right. And I've taken big swings, mostly when I was younger. Like big swings to find out what territory I could go into. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird, but you do get complaints about. I I had a guy. Let's see. I told a couple like really pretty innocent Jesus jokes. I mean, uh, just silly kind of Jesus jokes, like like uh, something like, "Do you think Jesus really fed all those people with or with, with a couple loaves of bread and a few fish?" Or was he just like a really bad cook? Like, were they like, oh, oh no, Jesus, it's fine. No, I don't yeah. need any more. We <laughs> ate, be- we ate before we came. Yeah. You know? It's just that's not really that's not an offensive joke in any way. I don't think. Yeah. And some guy came up to me afterwards in Iowa and was like, "You got to make fun of Muslims." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "You better make fun of Muslims." I'm like, "Wait, why do you say that?" He's like, "You gonna make fun of our guy?" You better make fun of their guy. Like, what's that even mean? You gotta make fun of Muslims. Strangest reactions. I was talking about psychedelics in Tulsa um, on radio, and a guy called in and goes, Man, this guy sounds higher than a grocery bag. (laughs) Grocery bag. Like he had a grocery bag get away from him recently or something. <laughs> I don't really. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't really. That's the highest higher than a grocery bag. I almost like that metaphor. term better than anything. Yeah, yeah. How do you think of it? I uh, heard my grocery bag dragging against the ground. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot. I watched uh, the DMT documentary, the Spear oh, yeah. Molecule. Molecule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been a little obsessed with it. I um it, well I'm doing a whole show about psychedelics now. Oh, I told you I listened I listened to the one that you did with what's his name? Uh Ryan Singer. We listened to that in the car. Oh yeah, the three part thing. Me and my crew. Like I I I had a long drive and I was with one person in my crew. Like uh this girl Sammy. Yeah. So I put it in. She's not a podcast person. I, I'm certain she's not listening to this, but if she is, she's well aware. She is more like a party, let's listen to some Taylor Swift person. Right. She likes singing in the car. She's not going to want to hear a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I'm, so I, I guess I maybe you talked about it to me or you. I may have. Or maybe so I, sent I put it in. Something. I put yeah. it in. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That fucking yeah. gave me anxiety. It was. I had a panic attack listening to that. So I was giving Ryan Singer DMT for his first time on the podcast. And so it was a three-part thing. So part one was me explaining my experiences with DMT. And then part two was him doing DMT. And then part three was then I did DMT. And I don't uh, even think yeah, I ever got to your experience. One. I think uh, I listened to him. I was able to talk through mine. It was interesting. I listened to him. Yeah, and you going breathe, man. Just breathe. Just <laughs> yeah, breathe. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. breathe. It. What? I don't. I wish I had the information on where that is, so people could go listen to it. It's at uh, Ryan Singer. Um, 
youtube.com and his podcast is me and paranormal you yeah and it's called dmt the couch sessions it is and it's like and you they, like, like the first you guys just hang DMT out talk. you hang out yeah, for like yeah. a, a couple hours and then towards the end he ta- he smokes it <laughs> that made me not, i mean like that really made me not want to do dmt because <laughs> listening to him yeah, fucking, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> breathe man just breathe <laughs> <laughs> close your eyes close man. your eyes close, close your, your eyes, eyes. <laughs> close your eyes <laughs> I just had this visual of him, just eyes wide. (laughs) That's exactly what he was like. That was was real intense. A lot of times the first two minutes are real intense. I'm like, oh, man. All right. I told you it would be this way. Oh, people fucking. Yeah, I have weird reactions. I've probably given it to like 30 people now for their first time. Really? And uh, first two minutes is just very intense. And and it only lasts for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, usually, usually the first time it seems to last for like fifteen minutes if people have enough. But now, usually it's like ten if it's not your first time. Really, the meat of it's like five minutes, and then it's and then it's over. I've definitely been getting way deep in there since really the, since the last time. Yeah, I've, well, I'm able to. I feel like I'm able to get like a little deeper because the more you do it, the more you kind of let go because the first one you go in it's so like uh um kind of almost troubling in a way sometimes or it's so jarring yeah that you got to remind yourself and be like oh wait i'm a human i'm sitting in a chair right now and i just smoked dmt that's what's happening right now because it's otherwise it's like what the fuck is happening the thing that the thing that i want to I talk to you more about this but the thing that really made me want to try it is Ryan was sitting there and he goes, that was just 10 minutes. He goes, that felt like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. he, goes, he goes, no, I lived a lifetime. And you were like, yeah, yeah, it feels like that. You know, he's like, no, I lived a lifetime. And I went, holy shit. Yeah. Like that is. Yeah. I one, once thought I had, uh, it was like, I smoked it and it was right around Christmas time. And I had like some sort of choice that I could make. And then I saw, like there's eight different choices and depending on what I did I saw like the whole rest of my life simulated in like these eight different but it was like through a series of it's always in like these weird metaphors so it was like a series of christmas cards kept on coming and in some of the christmas cards i'd be like a homeless person or whatever and some of them i'd be in like a business suit and doing well for myself and it was really strange, but I saw like a projection of the whole rest of my life. I wanted, I want to try it because I, I'm obsessed with time travel. Yeah, and I'd be like, I feel like that is a, an authentic experience of time traveling. Yeah, I well, because you also like not only does your brain simulate what's happening forward in time, like we need to make a series of predictions on, on how we should behave, like how how should I keep going with this conversation or whatever, and in your non-conscious, it's just running through all these different simulations really yeah. quick. But you're also like thinking back in time too to like other other experiences like uh, that you can reference or or if you hurt yourself or your back, how's your back by the way? Oh my God. I, I want to talk to you about that also. My back's fine now. Yeah, but uh, but that you know, I'm, I feel like I'm talking about 19 different things. But I, I have to tell you this. You know, I told you I jumped off that fucking cliff and almost broke my heels. No, you didn't tell me that. Oh my god, 
Okay, wait. So, like, I feel like I'm going to have to chop this podcast up for so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so we talked about it very briefly at the very beginning of this, but for those of you who have not listened, listen to the first time Shane was on, and you can listen to him on the best of. Um, I did a best of podcast. You're on that one. But um, Shane broke both his heels jumping yeah. off a cliff, <laughs> and he told me the story. And I sat in this room, and you listen, and you were like, it's ch- and, and, and it, it, it has hobbled you for two years. Yeah. And you're still working on your heel right now. Yeah, one yeah. heel had, yeah. like, bone infections and... Yeah, yeah, there was. It was the last time. Did I have like the big hole in my? You had the hole, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, that was a nightmare. Yeah. Fortunately, it's been a long time since there's been an enormous hole in my foot. But uh, and so my whole crew, my whole yeah. television crew, <laughs> listened to the whole fucking podcast. Yeah. They were like, "That is one of the best podcasts you've ever done." And I was like, "Cause, cause it was like, cause I knew of you." more than anything so i had like a bunch of questions that were locked and loaded that you had answers to and one was how you broke your heels and how and like and you had to like move home it was like it was a pain in the fucking ass and you were like man i look back at that one moment and if i just decided not to jump yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then so i'm in zanzibar (laughs) and uh we're out this cliff and uh how high about 20 feet okay about yeah about 20 feet no maybe maybe 15 feet 15 feet to the water to the water okay and we're like we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump in here and we're gonna swim around the island we're gonna do a circle around the island and end over at the beach snorkel and so our guide really stud kid uh goes it's it's deep enough and we're like yeah and he's like yeah yeah just just land like just land and get ready to like roll with it so we're like, okay, so he jumps, and he jumps out far, and he's like, it's a little shallow, but I think it'll be fine. My cameraman, John Manns, jump, says, let me jump. If you're going to jump in, I need to jump in first because I need to get you jumping in. So he gets in, jumps in, and he jumps, and he goes, don't jump. It's too shallow. And I have two travelers with me, and I'm like, and, and he's like, seriously, Bert, do not jump. It's too shallow. And I go, well, it doesn't look too shallow. Let me jump in, and then I'll tell you guys if it's too shallow. And he's like, all right. So I jump, and it's maybe a foot of water. Oh, my God. I'm having some memories coming back. Shane, I land on my heels, and I immediately think I've I've just broke both my fucking heels. Oh, God. And and my heels are searing with pain. I land on my heels, and, and John Manns looks at me and goes, you just had a guy in your fucking man cave who broke both his fucking heels from doing exactly what you did. Why wouldn't you fucking listen to me? And I was like, and I, Shane, I don't, the fucking immediate regret, like instant overwhelming regret that washed over me of like, I just fucked up so big and they're fucking killing me. They're fucking killing me. They're like throbbing. And I'm like, motherfucker if i just broke my heels and i'm thinking all i thought of is first thing i'm gonna gain so much fucking weight because i because i remember how how fucking crippled you were right and i was like i can't and i was like the stupidity of fucking doing that i can't believe that just fucking happened and we swim around the island and my my heels are searing both my heels are searing and i fucking get over to the beach and i start walking around on them and i'm like okay and i'm like i'm like overwhelmed with obsessive compulsiveness and and instant like i mean overwhelmed and i just start walking around and i'm like i'm like okay all right you know what i think they're gonna be okay 
The next morning I woke up, one was sore, but it, I could walk on it. I go, all right, I didn't, I didn't fracture my heels. Maybe I got like a bone bruise or something. And then they progressively got better, but I was like, holy shit. Then cut to literally probably four weeks later, five weeks later, I'm rappelling off a, off a waterfall and I get caught up under the water and I like 15 feet onto my back. Oh, God. <laughs> and man. I remember talking to you on the phone. That was like. That was that was like a game changer in life where I was like I could have died I could have broke my neck I had a buddy who fell off a balcony a first floor balcony broke his neck and died and I literally was like holy shit I can't believe I can't believe I'm so fucking stupid because but it was like it's like as soon as that happens you I I remember you you said this to me and when you said you had to crawl out of a canyon yeah, for like yeah. two and a half hours or something, yeah. you had to crab walk. Yeah, yeah. So we were at the bottom of a canyon, 210 feet, and I'm at the very bottom. And I know th- the only way to get down is there's a there's a really steep incline that like the, everyone that our cameraman walked down, but you there's a rappelling part. And I remember thinking, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here because if I'm really hurt, I don't want to die. Like if I if I rupture an internal organ or if I, if my back is broken if I have internal bleeding I need to get the fuck out of here. So I literally was like, all right, and, and it's like like you said you have this almost like you had said it to me and I heard you say it again in my head. You're like, no, I gotta survive. I gotta survive. Yeah, yeah. And man, I couldn't. So I couldn't move my legs. Like I couldn't get my legs to go up. So like. So like uh, I was, I just burned the pants I was wearing that day the other day because I had them. Mm. I fucking had these pants. I put them on; they were so comfortable. I felt so good that day, and I fell in these pants, and I was like, "They're bad luck pants. They were brand new pants." And then the other day, I go, "You know what? They're not that bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. They are really comfortable pants, and they're cool. They're cool. The ones I'm wearing right now, they're cool pants." So I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them back on." I put them on. I'm not even fucking lying to you, Shane. Leanne comes into the bedroom. I just put them on. She goes. They found a lump in my breast. I go, fuck these pants. Fuck these pants. I took them outside and I lit them on fire. I go, how dare you, fucking pants. But she's fine. She's fine. She's <laughs> oh, fine. Good. It was a, it was the fucking shadow in the sonogram, mom, mammogram. But I thought you just dropped some real heavy No, shit no, no, no. It, but, it, but I was like, fuck, I lit those pants on fire. Yeah. But, but crawling out of that canyon, I thought of you. You were like, no, it's crazy. It's almost like a euphoria. I couldn't lift my legs up. So like I could stand up. And I could move, I could shuffle my feet, but I couldn't walk. I couldn't like lift my leg up because all of a sudden pain would just shoot up my back. And I was like, fuck. So I just got on my hands and knees and crawled out of this canyon and then got up to the top. Man, injury, injury is so, I don't know how you didn't get addicted to pain pills, number one. Well, I was getting there. The last time I was on the show, I was on way too many pain pills. That's really? What, yeah, that's why I was like all emotional and whatnot. I remember we had a real oh, yeah. emotional one. Oh, I think I time. cried in that episode. Yeah, yeah, I was just on pain pills. <laughs> <laughs> Those pain pills, they make me just love everyone and oh. everything. And oh Did you just get God. an infinite prescription for them? Well, I did, and then I stopped getting them, and then... And wasn't even the slightest bit addicted or whatever. Just I do them for fun a little bit here and there, like once a week. That's I just the weird part. Up. That's the weird part is that there's a fine line between um, uh, f- I'm in pain, I need the pill, and well, fuck, I don't want to go to CBK and drink. 
Yeah, and, not not only is it the physical pain, but I mean, I'd have I'd be I'd wake up like really depressed or whatever, and have one of those things, and be like, well, I guess I'm gonna be I'm gonna have a wonderful day, you know? It yeah. just feels like everything's gonna be fine. What uh, were they giving you? I end well. So I had some oxy and stuff, and at first I think I had twenty fives, and then I went down to tens, and then fives eventually. But I had this friend that was in a car accident. And he quit his pain pills, but he just had this basket full of pain pills. And oh. I was on the road, and I was swinging through. And I didn't realize. I thought my foot was getting better, so I was like, oh, I don't need them anymore. And then my foot, it was, because unbeknownst to me, I ended up having a bone infection. But it was, like, hurting so fucking bad. And so I asked him for these pain pills. But these things were, like, um, he gave me he gave me ones that were, like, 25 and like 50 no i don't think i ever had 25 in the beginning i had 10s um so but they're they're codones or whatever so it's released like every two hours it releases like another 50 or something like that and one of those things and you are set for 12 hours and it feels so amazing and you're so functional yeah like i was able to get all this work done and everything I can see how the, those fuckers can be real addictive. Oh, I was wolfing them down. Yeah. I mean, I had to, and I had to do gigs. I, I fell, and then I had a gig in Aspen that paid a dickload of money and bail, I think. And my wife's like, no offense, but you are doing this gig. Yeah, yeah. It, If you just got to sit there and talk. like, and the, and the doctor said, you know, you should be trying to move around as much as possible. Right. Don't lay in bed. That's the worst thing for you. So I did two, two gigs, and I was just pills and drinking, and then came home and was like, I'm off the road for a couple of weeks, and I was just pills, 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 pills. And then my wife just fucking pulled it. Because I was taking Valium and uh, hydrocodone, whatever whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And my wife pulled a kibosh. Yeah, I eventually, shortly after the last time I saw you, uh, I had a doctor's visit, and I was just like, you know what? Next time I come in here, if I ask for pain pills, just don't listen to me. Just don't. don't yeah. I don't want them. Don't give them to me. Just so you know. Like, whatever I yeah. might say in the future. And uh, I said, I I said that when I was in the thing. I When I was in the hospital, after falling, they said, she said, well, I would like to give you Dilaudid. And I said, listen, very candidly, I'd rather just have the pain. Because yeah. I go, I have a little bit of an addictive personality. Yeah. And I don't ever want to feel what heroin feels like. She's like, she goes, yeah, but I want to do some x-rays. I'm going to have to move you around. And I think this will be more comfortable for you. And it will be easier for me to get what I need. And I was like, okay, but just give me like the lowest whatever you can just to make it functional. She's like, fine. She gives it to me. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay, never mind. Hit me up with whatever you were going to hit me up with originally. She was like, yeah, yeah. seriously? I go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I fucking donk, and I was like, okay, this is perfect. I actually recorded me taking heroin for the first time. Uh, I have it. I have it on my phone. I recorded me going, oh, I feel like I'm on a sparkle <laughs> horse or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then I was that, that was man, those things. I almost fucking OD'd one night. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, I because I had I had the real strong ones, and it's just like. You know, out having a great time. And it's just like, eh, I can have like one more of those, but they're real strong. And then some time went by, and then, then I'm like in bed at night, and uh, that guy's visiting. I was at home, I was in my par- and like my breathing was getting real shallow and shit. And I was like, oh, God, 
this is the sort of situation where I should be calling an ambulance. But it's like, I'm like in my parents' house. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to have to fucking call the ambulance. Yeah. You know, if I was just like at my home and if I was at Culver City, you know, I'd just call the ambulance. And, you know, my parents don't need to know that I yeah. <laughs> almost don't need, you know. And I was like, fuck it. I'll be all right. I'm just going to sit up. And then I just started fading, and then I felt uh, uh, DMT. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I was having a DMT trip, and I was like, wait a second. I didn't smoke DMT. Why is this happening? I was like, oh, fuck, I'm dying. And then I was like, <gasps> I just woke up going, <gasps> and punching the fucking air and gasping for breath. And then really? I sat up, and I was like, whoo, okay. Better take it easy on those pills. Holy shit. Yeah. So I don't do those things anymore, but they're fucking dangerous. I mean, they feel fucking amazing. Yeah. That's, they just feel and, amazing. And when you need them, it's it's hard for someone. And even doctors, they don't, it, like I have my doctor, on, I don't even want to talk shit, but he did my podcast, a podcast where I interview scientists called Here We Are, and I had my doctor on as well. And he said on my podcast, he's like, well, if you're, on, if you're in pain, they're not addictive. Well, that's bullshit. Any, and neuroscientists know that they are addictive, even if you are in pain. Yeah. But doctors don't know that because they can't know everything, so they're told that by the fucking pharmaceutical companies yeah. who are supposed to be instructing them on the proper use of this medication, you know. But the pharmaceutical companies are like, oh, yeah, they're not addictive if you're in, in pain. So they just give them to people. I know I had an ex who uh, her dad, he was like, he, the, lived in Dallas, this uh, evangelical, uh, you know, stereotypical Texan who he was a veterinarian and like a real sweetheart of a guy did a lot of charity and and stuff like that very very conservative and ever, everything but um nice guy he had his his first son um like uh, well uh, adopted son um who he adopted like in the war or whatever and brought him back his first son died at the same time that he had like a back injury and he ended up getting hooked on pills, and he is like a veterinarian, so then he's just like prescribing himself shit for oh, like God. animals and whatnot. Ended up like ruining his whole business. They had to spend like, you know, $80,000 oh. for rehab and stuff like that. I don't think he ever kicked the things his entire life. And uh, it, it just like ruined their. It can happen to anyone. People think that you know. Oh, that, I, that they're above it. I've said this. I've said this a number of times. My dad feels like I think my dad will say there's a different story to this. But my dad was definitively addicted to speed. Like the, there was a doctor in Florida who was just prescribing. You know, Fen. Remember Fen Fen? Mm-hmm. Fen Fen. What Fen Fen was was two Fens, two two pills. It was a mixture of two pills. The first Fen was a. MAO inhibitor, like a, a, a depression, like Prozac. Oh, was the first yeah. fan was like a Prozac. The second fan was a low-grade amphetamine. Mm-hmm. And w- when put together, they fucked with your heart. But separate, they were both legit pills. I, I'm, by the way, this is my research, whatever I know. Because I looked at what my dad took. I typed it in, and it was the second of the two fans. And it was just speed. And I told my dad, I go, Dad, you're taking speed. And he goes, no, buddy. It's a weight loss <laughs> thing. And the doctor prescribed it. I go. It's fucking speed. I remember one Easter. I came home and I was hungover. I'd been all, I'd been drinking and flying, 
And my dad goes, take one of my pills. It'll pick you right up. I took it. I go, okay, dad, this is speed. Like, I promise you. <laughs> It'll pick you right up, slugger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I remember I had the intensity. I could peel a grape. I remember thinking I could peel a grape with my fingernails. Like, that, that kind of focus. Yeah, yeah. My dad's like, I, buddy, I go to work. I sit down at the desk and I work 10 hours straight. Get up. Go home. Work out feel good <laughs> i was like yeah i bet you do that's how hitler felt like yeah yeah You're and so speed but those are all and then finally my dad's like yeah i gotta stop taking these fucking things like, i'm having a hard time sleeping i'm getting and he was he was jumpy like you'd be around him and he'd be like on top of you yeah okay whoa, 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 whoa. and you were like it's like hanging out with a crackhead you're like calm down i mean me and yeah. him got in our worst fights ever at that time ever because whatever i said he was three steps ahead of me and it was like he, it was it was horrible. I'm so glad he's not taking them anymore. But those pills, man, are addictive. Let wait. Let's talk about DMT though. So wait. So you've given it to 30 people? Yeah, different reactions. I, I mean, the two people that had like I would say the worst reactions or were, were were the most like troubled by it. Now do ayahuasca regularly. Mike Kaplan and Zach Sherwin. And who are they? So, who are they? I don't know if I know. I think oh, I know Mike Kaplan. Really? Uh, M Y Q. Yep, Mike Kaplan. I know him. And then uh, Zach Sherwin is a uh, he's a comedian rapper. He used to go by Mister Napkins. He he does a lot of the epic epic rap battles of history. That's how he makes a lot of his living. No, and, I don't know um, him. He's a very talented. Oh, dude. I gotta look yeah. him up. Yeah, he's real good. I'll send you some stuff. Um, and and now they do ayahuasca all the time. Oh, I I never t- I went to an ayahuasca ceremony. Shut and, up. And uh yeah, and it was the silliest fucking thing. So I was out in California and I finally I'm I'm always gone weekends, so I, I'm on this email list for this ayahuasca ceremony. So I get an email like once a month or whatever, right? And uh so I, I finally I'm like, Oh, they're in town and I'm there. All right, I'll do this ayahuasca ceremony. Go to some hippie's house. Um, out in like you know, like Topanga Canyon area or whatever, yeah. out in Malibu, and um, go out there and and it's just all of these new agey people in like this living room, real tight quarters, and everyone you bring a sleeping bag in because it's gonna be two sessions. And so we're all just like shoulder to shoulder in sleeping bags. There's people dressed in like, uh, uh, you watch the show The Leftovers on, no. on HBO. Yeah, no. Oh, it's a real good show. But that, but uh, like the people in white, ba- basically like uh, like white, like uh, the things that look like moo-moos or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> those know? like spiritual gowns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of people in those. One girl had a fucking magic wand. I'm like, this is great. Oh Thank you God. for bringing that magic wand in. <laughs> and uh, some really hot girls in there, too. I was, re- I was really surprised. And um, I don't know why I was surprised, but but uh, it was it was very interesting. So so the shaman gets up. and So does it cost anything? Oh, yeah. It was like $500. For, for for two since then i've found i can just get ayahuasca from somebody and not do the ceremony i haven't tried it yet but this is why i want to try it i go into the ceremony and the guy gives the whole spiel about it and says you could take 50 shots of this stuff and and it'd be safe and whatnot and blah 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 
and talking about how safe it is leading us through okay so we're gonna meditate we have buckets next to us for throwing up in and so we, we and then we have to go and then he goes around with incense and like blows incense in your face and stuff and so yeah i'm sitting there like okay fucking flow your dumb shit in my face yeah blow smoke in my face like really really i have to like sit here and bow my head as he as he blows on the top of my head i'm like oh fucking christ give me the fucking drug man (laughs) (laughs) going around doing that doing weird chants and then, hallucinogens are the only one that there's no ritual with cocaine like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. hey listen <laughs> let's let's get our let's get our internet set up because we're gonna want to scroll and look at ebay <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it, it's a lot of just closing the drapes yeah is closing the, the drapes <laughs> taking the bullets out of the gun put the gun <laughs> on the table oh um and so uh, so then we go up and i tell the dude i'm like i do a lot of dmt so just give me a bunch of it. Just give me a big one. Like I'm, I'm ready. I've, I've gone as deep as she goes, because ayahuasca is supposed to come on a little more gradual and 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 be not as intense. And so, it, I'll go around. And now, now I have to go up and like kneel in front of this shaman guy, which is uh, I was saying this the other day how how if I were a shaman. I would be kneeling to the people that I'm giving ayahuasca to. Like, th- here, here's for being brave enough to try this Fuck stuff. Yeah, you know? but, but you gotta like go and kneel before this guy, and he has like he has these helpers next to him and whatnot. It's very it it's reminding me of church a lot. So we all take these shots. We sit back down. We start meditating, and he starts up with his weird. They're like weird Indian chants, but not like. They're very nonsensical, so it'd be like, I'm like, what the fuck is... They, just these really like clearly, strange... Did he, did he make them up, or is yeah, it, yeah, are they yeah, real? Yeah. I, well, I think there was some Peruvian words in there, but it's just the strangest thing, and so I'm listening, I'm trying to concentrate, and then, then you just start hearing people going... <laughs> you're in this room there's like 20 people in the living room and you just start hearing <laughs> oh my god so wait how many people are in this living room like, 20 people 20 people started 10 people started everyone everyone just starts going <laughs> I'm trying to meditate that's my instructions I'm trying to meditate myself oh, to be I just oh, yeah. 20 Oh god! Oh my god! And, and now there's people like now people are like farting and stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then you just hear it. It's it start. It, and I'm just like, oh god, oh god, oh god. And then you just hear the first person, oh god, 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 just splashing against a bucket with a plastic bag oh in god. it. And I'm like. Ugh. okay can i just i like i wanted to ask if i could just step outside (laughs) i I open a window (laughs) hey you want to turn that uh, ceiling fan on (laughs) i know i'm tripping my balls off right now but (laughs) and so it was also so it didn't really take for me because i didn't have enough oh oh so so like goes around and he's doing his songs and stuff and and i'm like I'm not really feeling anything at all. And then they're like, anyone that wants can come back up. And so I went back up and I was like, just give me a, 
big ass shot. Just yeah. give me a huge one. And he pours me this tiny, like a third of a shot. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I take that and, and I sit back and everyone goes up for the second shot. And then after everyone went up for the second shot, it was just non-stop vomiting. <laughs> just non-stop. Just everyone. Uh, except me. Everyone in the whole place. First off, they're like, you need to uh, you need to uh, go on this special diet and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, uh, you know, they... they uh, you can't have like red meat and you can't have like all these no cigarettes don't do anything else uh, because what what ayahuasca does is it purges the toxins out of you everyone says yeah. that it purges the toxin I go, well why it, uh, all these motherfuckers in here are these vegan haven't eaten gluten you know yeah. and they've been eating nothing but vegetables for the past fucking five years of their life like no dairy or anything why are they all... I have more toxins yeah. in my system than anyone in this room. How come I'm the one person not throwing up God. if it's getting these toxins out, you know? And so... And now I'm trying to meditate, and it's like a really good mushroom trip. There's no visuals like DMT or anything. But uh, I was, like, really confident, which on mushrooms, sometimes I'm not very confident. Like, I took mushrooms last night, and there's always, like, a little last bit of night? A, yeah, David Gilmore, man. Oh, had yeah. to. And, Who's uh, David Gilmore again? The guy from the Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great. What was his show? Uh, uh, he just performs mostly a bunch of Pink Floyd songs. Oh wow! It was at the Forum. It was awesome. So you took mushrooms last night? Yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, sometimes on mushrooms, I'll be like a little unsure of myself or whatever. On ayahuasca, I was like, I was super confident and I was very clear headed. Like, I sometimes get a little foggy on mushrooms too. Very clear headed. I was having very good ideas. So, with like the most clarity of my entire life, I'm just listening to. 20 people throwing up all around me and it never stopped not the whole I'm like well that was okay that was the purge they had to we had to get it out we're good now though right it'll yeah. be everyone got all that out of their system no there was not a single second where someone wasn't throwing up how long how long were you there five that was like five hours for a session and, and it's one it's not even working that well for me so i'm just sitting there um like pissed that i'm not tripping yeah and well not not what i thought i was going to get and then um and then the next day so then we slept there and then the next day i woke up and uh and we did it again in the morning so you spent the night out there? Yeah. Okay. And it's it's a strange situation. So it's just 20 of us in sleeping bags, sleeping in this room. Come in. What do you need? Hello. What do you need, baby? No, I'm just coming outside. Okay. I didn't know you were in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. All right. Um. So so you spend the night out there? like? Yeah, and then did it again in the morning. And so no one's like drinking wine at night? like. No, no. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to go home and sleep in my bed. It's like, I wanted to ask, but it seemed, I was like, well, this is what everyone's doing, so yeah. I don't want to fuck with anything. And so I did it again the next day, 
And, and I even told him ahead of time, I talked with his helpers and they're like, Oh, we'll remind him to give you more then. Yeah. You need more. Um, and I went up there again and he still just gave me like maybe three quarters of a shot at the most. I was like, dude, I need two shot. Give me that shit. You yeah. just got, so now I'm is like, he afraid he's going to run out? No, it, you know, he's just being careful. So he doesn't give people too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, just liability thing or whatever. He doesn't know how I'm going to fucking react to it. And so, and then that time didn't work at all. So then I just spent another five hours, this time completely sober, just listening to people vomiting <laughs> all around me. And it was not a good first ayahuasca experience. Although I will say that, that it was, uh, you know, they say to like set intentions uh, ahead of time, yeah, it, it, like they say that with meditating too. You set an intention, like um, I want to um, get over my fear uh, of flying. Yeah, I want to quit drinking. Yeah, something like that, or or like understand why I've been depressed today. Um, and I was like, I want more confidence. That that was. Uh, what my intention was and, and it wasn't i'm like whatever this is a bunch of bullshit but i'll do it i might as well do it and i will say that it was the most confident i've ever been in my entire life and really? that's exactly what my intention was so maybe there is you know something to it what um did did you like make friends with anybody out there i mean they're all cool like interesting people for sure but no i i mean i didn't um I, I mean, one of my friends goes regularly, so he is friends with some of the people there already. But it, it was a strange bunch, that's for sure. I mean... So DMT is more intense than ayahuasca? Yeah, it's supposed to be, because it's just 10 minutes. So See, that's the kind of commitment I have. 10 minutes I could do. Yeah. Five hours. I'm like, five, that's what my problem with tripping always was the commitment to oh so this is going to be 10 hours yeah, yeah oh that's oh fantastic so now if i'm not liking this i won't like this for 10 hours right and like even with like and i've gotten too high when i was a kid where you just are like oh i want this to go away now mm-hmm. that's what always freaked me out yeah i um i love dmt it's only 10 minutes i'm still too i'm still scared every time like i haven't done dmt in like two months just because i i get nervous every time really so afterwards i'm like Oh man, why was I so nervous? But I get nervous every time. Is there like a? Is there like um? I'm trying to think of the right. So like, is there like a a? Do you feel good after DMT? Like like the yeah. like the next day? Do you wake up going like like feeling rewarded, or do you just like? Well, you have a nice first off immediately after you have like a nice little body buzz. So um, it just kind of feels good, almost like a pain pill body buzz Yeah. Um, for like 20 minutes. And then, I mean, I think it just makes you question everything. It, it definitely makes me, like sometimes, it, probably the worst part about DMT is it's hard to stop thinking about because for like a week or two afterwards, I'll be like, what the fuck was that? Like, was that real? What's yeah. going on? It'll make this reality seem a little slipperier. Like, is this actually happening right now or is this a simulation? But, um, but I've also, I mean, I get a lot of insights about what I think the brain's doing. Like we were talking about the simulations. So, 
So you jump into the water and there's only a foot of water and you think you break both your heels. What happens is your brain then runs a simulation for like, oh, what's going to happen? Am I going to gain a bunch of weight now? You kind of project into the future, right? And then you also go back in time at the same – and this is all in like five seconds, you know? You go back in time and like, oh, what if I wouldn't have done that? What the fuck was I thinking, you know? And then you also also think back and we're like, oh, if I would have just – listen to him and then and then it kind of goes back in your mind and then projects what your life would be like now had yeah. you not done that thing so i think the brain's running all these simulations because it, it was at first when i was doing dmt it seemed like like sometimes i'd it'd feel like i'd seen the i was seeing like the rest of my life and also all of my life like back from the beginning and then like back through time too like i'd see weird historical scenes and stuff but it was like it seemed like it was looping and it was like oh all of this is going to keep happening again and again this is the me- message that i kept on getting and i'm like that that doesn't make any sense yeah why am i thinking that and then i realized what was actually happening was those simulations as so the simulations can only run accurately out for so far before they start you know getting fuzzy like in a dream or yeah. whatever um so so what if these two projections are going forward and backward and where it's getting fuzzy, it's creating like a horizon that's making it like bend around. Right. Yeah. And then there's this concept called object permanence, like babies. When you play peekaboo, they're like surprised every time you open your hands, because when something is in front of something else and they can't see it, babies don't realize that that thing still exists. So it's like your face completely disappears oh, until up. until they learn, and you have to learn this object permanence stuff, like this understanding the eclipse effect. Well, I think that inside of our brain, because it understands that eclipse effect, it was creating what seemed like a loop, but they actually weren't connecting. And that's why in my head I kept on thinking, oh, life keeps on happening again and again, and there's like no escaping it. it does, that's a little complicated. A does little that bit makes sense at no, all. I, what I'm what I'm obsessed with is like. Do you do you take DMT and then go to a Starbucks and then you just like I can't believe like can't believe this is that I'm watching someone text like the few te- like I I've been talking to my therapist about uh I have an a, I have an acute sense sometimes very acute sense of just looking at the futility of it all mm-hmm. of like of just like like what's the fucking like wh- like what's the point Oh yeah. Like what like what is the fucking point? Like I look at someone and I and I just go like so that's it. Like that like I Yeah, I, see I think I've always thought that the reason why that is is because people have a misunderstanding. We always go what's what's the point? And there there is no one meaning in life otherwise everyone would be acting and behaving the exact same if there was just one singular goal. There'd be no reason for variation. So, but our our brains have to be set up to be flexible and to always be like questioning things because our same bit of DNA was like fucking cavemen and hunter gatherers and stuff. We we've been cowboys, astronauts. Yeah, we've been these same brains have lived everywhere in the world, you know, and so they need to be set up to be flexible. So then. The brain needs to have these kind of goal-oriented things like, okay, what are we working towards? That sort of thing. And so I think, I think that 
the reason why we go, oh, what's the meaning of life? Is we're not actually going to find there there is no meaning that we're going to get to. Instead, the idea that there's a meaning is what's prodding us, like kind of from yes. behind. Yes. You know? Go going like keep on questioning, should you be doing this? You know, is this should you write a book? Should you do something? Is this stand up thing gonna work out for you? Yeah. You know? Um I saw this old lady getting her hair done. She may have been like ninety years old. Saw her getting her hair done. And I just had this like fucking overwhelming feeling of like why what's the point yeah like, you're just going back to go sit by yourself like, yeah what's the point i guess it makes you feel good and i'm not shitting on the fact that an old person was getting their hair done or anything i just kind of looked at the like helplessness of it all i go what's the point and then my wife's like and my wife maybe and maybe i think differently about the world my wife my wife's like well maybe she maybe she's gonna go to lunch with some friends maybe she's gonna read a book and i was like read a fucking book and then i talked to this guy i was in wise guys and there was i was talking to this guy and I was like saying, like, what's the fucking purpose? Like, what's the point of this? Like, yeah. And this guy just was like fucking dialed into whatever I was thinking. He was like, dude, I fucking say that all the time. Yeah. He's like, if I didn't have this club, I don't know. I'd have a fucking gun in my mouth. That was not the owner, by the way. It was just the guy hanging out in the green room. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, I don't like, what is the fucking purpose? I don't have kids. I'm 50 years old. What is the fucking purpose? What's the fucking purpose of this life? And you started going, fuck. And then. And then I thought, I think back to these, like, whatever this, I don't know who this guy is. I read this article about ayahuasca. This guy had been sober. His whole, whole, he'd gotten sober, got married, had a stepdaughter. I'm sure you can find it online. You can find this article online because I found it very easily. And he was like, but what's the point of life? So he went down to Peru and did a, like, I think he did 13 ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And he just seemed to have a very tight grasp on like on the fact that what is this about? like and i read the article and i was like god damn it man that makes me i want to go to a peruvian cafe and be sit i want to be i want to do i was going to be sitting at a peruvian cafe the day before my flight and writing my thoughts down or you know like i was like what is, i don't know i don't know it's the one thing that made me think you know and rogan's been such a huge proponent of dmt yeah and same with stanhope and and my buddy keith did it one time but I was like, I was like, what? Is, my, my, I talked to Duncan Trussell about it, and he was like, "Don't do it." He was like, "You know, I don't think your brain's the right one." <laughs> I was like, "Really?" He goes, eh, I wouldn't. I just, I wouldn't." He's like, "Cause I, I call know. Duncan. I call Duncan when I have, uh, when I have like shit going on, like, like my head that I, you know, I can't really put a piece together." Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, you know, just anxiety attacks or just. I'll talk to Duncan, and Duncan told me one time. He goes, "Your your brain's a." A scary attic. I wouldn't go up there by yourself. I'd bring a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict how anyone's going. The biggest predictor of how well people do is is basically anyone that meditates always has a positive experience. To oh, DMT. I can't meditate. I just end up falling asleep. Wait, oh. have you ever had someone have a bad experience? Not like bad, bad. Just like they're they're just like troubled. Like, oh, what the fuck was that? I mean, sometimes it does seem like that's the real thing, and this is a simulation. So. Uh, imagine so so there's all these uh video games out there that are that are like um eh, you know all these simulations so there there's these video games that now you can go out and explore space i guess they've mapped out the entire um uh, like universe as much as they know about all the they got all the 
astronomical data together and mapped out everything as much as they could so you can go around space and check it out and look around. And physicists have actually learned things from this simulation, like, oh, there there must be more space dust than we realized, otherwise it wouldn't look like this, blah, 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 once they plugged it all into the computer. And then there's, like, sims that let you kind of, like, simulate life and and whatnot. And, um, and, and then they have their... I read this article, they're trying to simulate evolution, so they give these just simple little codes, a couple duties or whatever, a couple jobs, like add this up, and then they just do it through trial and error, and if they're successful, they reproduce, and they're trying to see how complicated these codes will get, so these codes are like mutating, they're trying to simulate evolution. So we're able to simulate all of these things, like imagine if the sims kept on getting better and better and more accurate, and you could use it to run a simulation on, like, what law should we implement? And you impu- implement the law in in The Sims, the simulation, yeah. you know? It seems like that would be a great way to um, gather a lot of data. And what it seems like when I'm on DMT is that there's this weird, like, mathematical pattern of perfection. And then there's all these, like, our, uh, this this multiverse is bubbling up from this and and that's like the big bang or whatever is is just one of these one of many of these bubbles and as it as it goes up it it just kind of runs this simulation just to see how randomness plays out and then it kind of gathers information like we're very small but it's gathering information from like every planet that's being formed and everything else so so every tree that lives and dies and whatnot, this this inf- this math like goes floats back into this pattern and it expands this pattern. That's what it seems like when I'm on DMT. That's not necessarily what I believe. Yeah. I think that what is actually going on is that's in our head. I think that we have a multiverse in our head. I think that there's all these worlds created to store our our memories and run simulations. I mean, think about when you dream. You could have a dream tonight, and the dream could be you and I are hanging out again, and you could be doing a perfect uh, imitation of me, you know, and you don't even realize you're dreaming. Yeah. It would be, it'd be, I'd be talking to you somehow. You made that with your brain. There might be strangers there that you don't even remember seeing ever in your life, and your brain's doing this perfect simulation of all that, and then it's changing the landscape and, and everything else. And it's doing all that, and it seems like it's happening to you. You don't even realize it's you making it. You yeah. know that, That's how powerful the brain is. So it's clearly running some sort of simulation. And so, uh, so I think there's just all of these insane universes in our head that help process things at these larger levels. Does, does, uh, does your like, setting have anything to do with when you take it? Well, usually you just use um, these like mindfold things, like eye masks, and um, just block out your light. Usually, I usually I play some music. There's a band called Spongle that makes songs specifically for DMT. They're like all ten minutes long or whatever. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just fucking. 
it is i don't know how they do it but when you're on dmt it's like this whole crazy narrative it'll just like make a whole story happen in your head and i'll listen to the same song and do it again and i'll see the same song again like i see these common characters sometimes when i listen to these songs really yeah it's really weird and interesting. Remember one day I called you because I just had a DMT trip and yeah. I was like, Bert, I got to tell you. I don't know why I decided <laughs> to call you. I was just like, I need to tell someone. Yeah, I had uh, I, I don't know if I ever told you about the purple woman that I, that I see. Um, well, it, it was probably after my the one time that I talked about it on here. There's this purple woman that I see like every four times I'm on DMT now. And um, and other people have seen her a bunch. And I'll pull up an image for you. Wait. That's her. People, and this is what you've seen? Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what I saw. And uh, as just this purple dancing gypsy woman that it felt like I had known her for like 10,000 lifetimes. Like we were best friends. Holy and, shit. And I kept on seeing her. And, um, and it was just really strange. I, I even stranger stories about her, but the day I called you, what had happened? Cause I was thinking of this idea that, um, that our, our brain has multiple consciousnesses inside, like our non-conscious has consciousnesses of their own. And like these people that have jobs, like there's, like we all wear many hats, right? Like yeah. you're you're a father, you're a husband, you're a podcaster, and you need to activate different parts of the brain to kind of modulate those different roles. So I think things like those roles are actually being done by kind of these these beings and cities and stuff inside of our, our heads. It's almost like uh, did you ever see the movie uh, Shit Inside uh, Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The movie is awesome. It made me cry. Really, it made me cry too. I was sobbing. <laughs> when, I was when, when, sobbing. When the imaginary friend gives a oh little boost. Oh, oh. God damn. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, it's like a, is that what you're talking about? Like, Yeah, just like that. I, I do think that is a good representation of what's actually happening in our brain. I think there's these higher levels where it creates like these hologram structured world. And so that... So then they think when I'm there that I'm like visiting them and they're like I'm visiting their universe. Like they don't realize that they're in my head, you know? Oh. And and so then I was I was talking with this lady, this purple woman about this and eventually she is like it was like she is figuring out that I was right. And then so the day I called you, what happened? It was kind of freaky because, like, I got to know this woman really well, and everything is so strange. And she she goes, she explained that um, that she realized that she had just been in my head her whole life, and then she built this cell, like made out of these codes. And then she started doing this interpretive dance where she was throwing herself up against this uh, the walls of the cell and like clawing at them to show me that she knew that she was just stuck in my head. Holy and I was fuck. like, "What the 
fuck is God? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm also stuck in my head. Like, I get, uh, it troubles me sometimes yeah. as well. <laughs> it's like, yo, what can I do about it? And um, it, it, so, yeah, so I've, I've been having some very strange trips and strange ideas God. lately. So sometimes it will be like, is this real? Like, I'll think that a lot, but uh, it's been two months now, so that wears off and you get back into real life, you know. What, uh, what, and when, how long have you been drinking again? I started almost a year ago. Yeah, because I didn't want to take pain pills and my foot hurt so bad and I, it was just like to be able to perform and everything else. Like, how I much are you on the road a right now? Bit of, of a buzz. Well, I, I was just gone for like three months. So I'm, I mean, I didn't even come back for three months, so I was out there for a while. And then I have, uh, when's this coming out? Tomorrow. Oh, okay. So I have, um, I'm at Acme in Minneapolis on on the 5th of April, and then I'm doing Portland and Oregon, uh, and I have a show about psychedelics that I'm doing in all of those places. And really? so, uh, so yes, I'm, I've been doing, so I have my regular club act and then on off nights and whatnot, I'll go and do like clubs on off nights or little indie venues or whatever and produce the show myself. And, and, uh, yeah, it's all about psychedelics and it's been going very well. That's the beauty of the, of what is happening with stand up is that like people are doing stuff that is just different than stand up is still st- just still a performance still a kind of like a show yeah, yeah. You know, like i mean as simple as doug loves movies which is is great or or getting doug with high right or you know or like his 420 shows like you know i, I do this thing a uh, call and sick to work show where i go and do radio and then like try to pitch people to not go to work call in sick to work come to the club and we do a show at noon like a matinee show it's sold out everywhere it goes it's a great show but it's traditional stand-up, and I wish I could do something else. I wish I could find another medium to make it literally a little, maybe like a little more of a variety show, more like a little. I wish I could think out of the box. Like I was talking to someone, they're like, "Do a live podcast," but I don't know. My podcast isn't like that. Like it's not good live. I did one live with Duncan and Ari, and it was weird because I ended up interviewing them. As opposed to like us hanging out, right, you know? right? Like the funniest shit is like like. Some of your funniest stories are just ones I don't even like. I don't even know where I've heard them, but it's you talking to somebody. Like, yeah. what was the story you got? You, maybe you told me, or but where you had got coke in Mexico. Oh yeah, that was on Pete Holmes. Oh podcast. my god, oh, that was yeah. the funniest fucking story. Oh my god, that was a fucking insane. That was the funniest story. I'm. I don't know where I was. I'm howling, laughing. But that's what I believe. Like a a lot a podcast should be. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. secrets, you know, right. or not secrets, but like. Yeah, I, I I mean it's great the way the indie scene is and everything else because normally there'd be no outlet. I mean, when I started, I didn't think there was a very good outlet for me doing anything different. But now I can put together my regular club act is just a bunch of jokes. But then the other stuff that I do, I try to put together like theme shows. It's just fun. It's one. It's a lot easier to remember when it's a theme rather than just like what random joke should I do next? Yeah. And uh, and two, it's easy to plug in new material when you have it. Th- so like my last album was about breaking both my feet. So if I write a new joke, it's not like 
just some random joke. It's a long... So if it doesn't do well, it doesn't even matter because I'm still just... I keep on going, you know, along the narrative. So I've been having fun doing that. But it it is nice to have, um, like, a nice indie and kind of do-it-yourself scene that can create opportunities for people. I think that's what I... I think I need to... I'm doing my hour. I'm doing a special Friday... And so I've been congratulations. Good luck. Thanks. I've been I've been gearing up for that. And once I get done with that, I think I'm going to reevaluate what I want to do with stand up. Like, like I'm I don't know. Like I may do. Like I've got all this shit I want to talk about, you know. But I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm it'll be interesting to like wipe the slate of all that material and then sit there and go. All right, now where am I going? Yeah, I remember when I decided I was going to change my act, I bombed for like three months straight. Like, I was kind of like almost having to apologize to clubs, and and there's a couple clubs that I haven't been back to since and stuff. And then I just, it started clicking. It just took me like three months to figure it out. But I knew the direction I wanted to go. I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I've changed. I've I've grown a lot. Like I look at my first album, and it's just. I mean, there's no connection with me to that. Like there's like, yeah, I mean, there's like too. there's a couple stories where you're like, okay, that's you can see where my act is going. But then there's like these like blowjob jokes where I'm just like, I look back and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was I was just like killing. Yeah, well, we were young. I know it. It is interesting. Um, uh, you know, Will Anderson. I do. I don't know. Australian how. dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real funny, real good dude. Has a good podcast as well. But he uh he he was talking about how because I was I was talking about how I was like a little bit bummed out because my first attempt at doing a theme show was my Netflix special mating season. And there's good jokes in it and everything, but I wish I had like gone for it a little more. I tried to make it a little too accessible. And I was like, ah, I, I would, some of the jokes I look at now, I'm like, the, I wish I wouldn't have had a man and, and blah, blah, blah. But he was talking about how each one of those things is like, you know, photographs from when you're a child or whatever, where you'll look and you'll be like, oh, that's the person that I was then. And it looks a little silly now, sure, but that's what I needed to do to get where I am now, you yeah. know? So it's kind of interesting to look at your own development. It is. Uh, it's it's interesting to look at your development and go, like I saw a video of when I first started stand-up, like like back in the day. <laughs> like I, I can't, I mean, I, I am so giddy and excited like i'm like so what's the fuck like i'm just like oh it's so humiliating i was i was very uh i had a lot of stage fright so i was like very nerd i was very much like stephen wright kind of oh really ish like a midwestern stephen wright i guess um in the very beginning i got comfortable within like six months or so yeah but uh but yeah at first i i could barely get on stage i'm thinking about after i do this album just release like doing a I've already did this special. Do an album of the other jokes that didn't make the special. Mm-hmm. Just all the fucking jokes. And then release that right before the album special comes out. And then just be... I, I want to get rid of everything. And then start new and find out what I want to write about. And I really want to write about my experiences on Travel Channel. Like the traveling. Yeah. I want to write about... You know... I want to tell stories. But... I like the idea of the B-sides too. Like I have all these jokes that... Like my club act right now is a bunch of jokes. 
that are funny jokes and funny stories that work really well. Yeah. They just don't mean anything to me. And I don't have like a place for them in an act that I'd be making a special out of. Like yeah. my psychedelic show will hopefully be my next special. And... um but I kind of just want to put all those on an album. Just like, these are random jokes that won't Did, ever go anywhere Just so you know, else. I wrote them. I want you to have them. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you're driving on a long road trip and you're bored out of your mind and this makes you giggle <laughs> ten times, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, but, you know, it's so funny. is like the, the distribution of material has changed so much. Like, just looking at the way people receive material. Like, I'm, I was thinking, I was like, I, I was subscribed to the old, when I did my audio book, I was like, oh, you need to release it. And and it needs to be through an official vendor. And I remember Greg Fitzsimmons going, "Do not do that. Release it on your own. Sell it yourself." I wish I'd done that. Yeah, that was a big mistake. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is nice having someone else handle all of your shit for you. Yeah, that that is real nice. And uh, I mean, I get a fair amount of royalties. I'm pretty. I mean, my royalty checks are good enough. Where when I get them, I'm like. Holy shit, how much are the royalty checks of people that are actually successful? <laughs> you know, for your like special? musicians and shit. Uh, for, for my three albums. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, satellite radio and, and uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to release... Because I can record on this, I, on this fucking H6. I recorded... My, I've been recording my sets for the special just to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And then clearly writing notes on my hand. Yeah. Uh and this sounds really good. I don't think I don't think anyone would complain. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a fucking comedy album. Like like it. Like yeah. You hear the audience good. Like it'd be great. I would like to. I can totally do a fucking mix up of of a line straight in on the board, and then I can yeah. Mm. But yeah, I, it's uh it's interesting that we have a lot more opportunities now, and everything's getting cheaper. But at the same time, we are kind of expected to pave our own way now and and everyone has to like make their own shit if you want something to come out you know well i, was, I had a dream that louis ck put me in as a sitcom yesterday but he wouldn't let me look at the lines he wouldn't let me look at the i kept going around this is i just had this dream as a dream i had right before i woke up was that he put me in a sitcom it was about roller coasters and he wouldn't let me look at the script he kept saying, don't let him look at the script. Everyone would, everyone has, I was like, I can't get a script. Can I just see one script? And they're like, yeah, I don't want you to look at a script. And then when the scene started, he just started berating me and going like, hey, you need to lose 35 pounds. Like that's, there's no question about that. You need to lose 35 <laughs> pounds. I was like, okay. And I was like, I, I, was, I kept going, Louis, I, you know, is this, is it my line? Is it my time to return to talk? And he was like, uh. He's like you. You're really over the top with your acting. Like you're really over the top. Like you need to dial that back. And I was like, all right. I was like, well, what am I going to say? Like, what am I supposed to say? He goes, don't worry, your scene's not coming up yet. And it, but it was, we were rolling on it, and he was just kind of berating me throughout the entire thing about like what was wrong with me. And he's like, you're not, you're not doing anything original. Like you really aren't. <laughs> and he was like, you need to be making your own stuff. And it, and I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, is this? Are we? We're shooting this. I was like, what's the purpose of this? And he goes, it's real. What I'm saying is real. You need to be real. <laughs> and then he's like, scene. I think it went good. What do you guys think? And everyone's like clapping. And I was like, I don't, I don't get the, th- I didn't get it. Like, I really didn't get it. <laughs> but, uh, but I, and I, and I realized I woke up and I realized I was like, I was like, you know, my, my podcast 
is probably the most well-received piece of art I've ever put out. Yeah. More so than my special, my first special, than my book, than my TV shows. My podcast genuinely connects with people. Like people came, someone uh, someone came up to me this weekend and goes, "Hey, just so you know, you get, you know, I listen to this podcast. It means you've introduced me to so many cool people on that podcast. Thank you." And I was like, oh, I was like, fucking, I was like, in Utah, I sold sold out. I think probably. Well, definitely sold out one show, but sold a ton of tickets for three, four shows. It was all podcast fans. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so, and, but that still, this is a replication of whatever Rogan and Marin and Corolla have done. I was like, I need to do that with other shit. I need to start making my own shit. I mean, even my podcast that doesn't have that many listeners, but the people that do listen that come out to shows, Fuck. they're always like super fans and like, Oh, thank you so much for what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. Cause I feel that way when I listen to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I listened to the, you and Pete tell that story and I was fucking, I was on the road depressed and I'm just <laughs> giggling. What was the theme of the story? I forget you, you, it, it you was, ended up in like Mexico. Was, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, it was a shady gig to start with. I found out later on that that the dude running the show um, he had never done a contract before, and so he he got the contract from my agent and he sent it back from the unemployment office because he didn't know how to like fax things or anything else. Oh my god! So he sent back the fucking contract with unemployment letterhead on it. My agent's like, I don't know about this gig. And I was like, let's try it anyway. And he picks me up, and we have like a three-hour drive. It's these, uh, it's these two Mexican dudes, and um, and you know they seem like nice guys and everything. And we're talking, and and I was like, oh yeah, so on so on uh, Saturday you'll be able to give me a ride back to Austin. Then, like we discussed, and this dude was like impossible to get a hold of the whole time. Finally, got a hold of him on Facebook. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get you there. So then I asked him, he's like, oh, shit, you know what? I'm going to have to find someone else to give you a ride to Austin. Uh, I'm going to rehab on Friday. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and and he's like, yeah, it's, uh, so kind of having my last hurrah. I, I, I find out that this is this guy's like last few days. I'm like, what are you going to rehab for? You know, I, I, I do drugs or, you know, whatever. I'm not yeah. judging. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I uh, broke a probation violation. I don't know. It's kind of bullshit. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, what have you been to probation for? <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm uh, like, yo, I've been to jail. Yeah, I'm cool too. Um, and he goes, well, it's a weird story. I kind of killed a person. 